0: welcome to another session with the market dominance guys a program exploring all the high stakes speed bumps and off ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host chris beal from connect and sell and Corey frank from branch 49 Chris and Corey continue their conversation with Dr. Mindy Weinstein as they delve deep into the psychology behind scarcity and its profound impact on consumer behavior. You'll uncover invaluable insights on how scarcity appeals to different generations, especially the younger demographic, and how you can leverage this powerful phenomenon to drive sales success. Drawing from their wealth of experience, Chris and Corey share practical strategies on positioning salespeople as indispensable resources in a scarce market. Fostering authentic connections and building trust through genuine expertise. By the end of this episode, you'll be equipped with actionable tips and powerful communication techniques to elevate your sales game. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your sales approach. Join us for this episode using scarcity tactics in sales Gen X versus Gen Z psychology. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think uh, when we were meeting last week, I think one of the examples you gave, or maybe this is in your book, is you're not going to find Christian Dior clothes, mm-hmm. purses, and et cetera, at the corner safeway or the grocery store. There has to be an element of of scarcity and exclusivity to get these items, right? Chanel doesn't mass mm-hmm. produce these items. And, and it's interesting. I wonder if, Chris, if we've ever done any discussions or if you or or the good doctor can comment on selling or buying from a younger generation mm-hmm. we have a lot of folks in the 25 30 or even younger or so that are in the marketplace that we sell our goods and wares to Chris certainly and that are consumers I'm curious if there's any studies on that approach doctor or experience that you've had maybe Chris where younger folks they they're used to these drops, right? That happen from Supreme or my 10 year old lets me know when Lego's about to do a drop, you know, two weeks in advance. And does that affect the buying behavior or the selling response for old salts like me and Chris here later on when we're when we're selling them into the marketplace?
2: Well, I can tell you, I mean, there is a difference based on age um with all of this. So I will tell you the older generation, so more, think retirement years, they're not gonna be drawn to something that shows this is in high demand or the most popular because most likely they're gonna be like, I'm good with the product I'm using or the company that I've already been hiring. Like, why would I switch? That's not an incentive. And actually it could even backfire. Well, then that's gonna be really crowded. I don't wanna go there if it's an event or something like that. Now with the younger generation, so when I say younger generation, I'm actually talking about Gen Z and millennials. So Gen X is kind of just in the middle. It just depends on a lot of other factors with them. But for Gen Z and millennials, very much anything that is a supply-related scarcity draws or a limited edition, which is part of supply, draws them in a lot because they're in a generation where very big on social media, very big on showing the latest thing that they have, their self-expression based on what you wear, what you drink, where you go, the experiences. and so they're very susceptible to that and interested in that. They want to be unique. They want to feel like they are special and that they can show showcase something. And so going with the drops, that's why Nike's brilliant when it comes to that or Supreme. I mean, they have done such a phenomenal job because not only do they do drops, but if you've ever been to one of their stores, the first time I ever went was in San Francisco. And I just thought they didn't have a lot of merchandise available. Like, oh, they must be running out of stock. And so I was there with my oldest son. So I asked one of the um, salespeople there, I said, oh, is are these the only sizes you have? And they said, oh no, we have a lot more in the back. So they don't even put everything out. They purposely make it look sparse. <laughs> and then, so you kind of get that feeling of like, okay, I need to get this now. And they have, you know, all this stuff in the back. So very interesting, but very much that younger generation, they like supply related scarcity and limited edition.
1: Chris, what do you see from uh, being CEO of a company over these last fifteen plus years, and certainly being in uh, academics as well? Do you sell? Do you teach your sales teams to sell different folks differently, generationally?
3: Nope, we're not that sophisticated. So (laughs) we're not. Um, It's kind of funny. It's something we should think about more. But you know, your Branch Forty Nine folks. I mean, how do we sell them on? cold calling, something that people in their early 20s aren't drawn to naturally. And it's by offering them something extremely scarce and therefore valuable. We call it finishing school for future CEOs. And so what is what's that? Oh, I get to learn something other people don't learn Mm -hmm. that might advantage me because I want to have a good career and I don't know what's coming. That's that's a very simple example, but it's a powerful one. And it's the one that we actually conceptually kind of built the attraction of Branch 49 around is, hey, you know, you're going to learn something that is very rare and is very valuable. You're going to learn to hold conversations with strangers. The one thing every CEO has in common. They can speak comfortably and with value to strangers. You're going to come learn it, which is very different from we're going to pay you more than a burger flipper to uh, talk to people who are going to yell at you and say no. Right. So, I mean, same product, but packaged in a way that indicates that there's a, a supply issue. You're not going to learn this anywhere else. And there is value built in because, well, who doesn't want to get closer to being a CEO, by the way, for those of you thinking of being CEOs, the only reason we have the title is that the word janitor has a lot of letters in it. And people just can't remember all the letters. They can't spell it. So they shortened it to CEO. It's You can figure <laughs> out how that worked.
1: Right. So it is primal in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that, right. And certainly Mindy, I think you're saying that as well, is that a lot of these uh, response stimuli, response stimuli, right. Are predictable. We have to be careful mm-hmm. like any weapon that, you know, one of the, one of the expressions that Chris has used, maybe this is the title of our next book here, right? Is that with Connected Cell, it's a weapon that amplifies the volume of conversations that a sales rep can have. But if that sales rep is not armed with the right things to say and the right tonality, then the expression that Chris uses is then what you're doing as a sales leader is you are amplifying their suck. And I can see if I use scarcity poorly, I can amplify the suck as well. So this is a how-to manual, but it also could be a cautionary tale if used in the wrong hands with the wrong intent, correct?
2: Correct. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, hopefully this goes without saying, but I'm still going to say it, is that you have to be providing something great, you know, you're going to do all the scarcity, but if your product is subpar and you're like, I'm just going to use all this psychology that I'm learning and just to get my sales, well, that's not going to work out for you long-term either. So we have to think about that. But I even just love the conversation that you were just having talking about, you know, younger people and working at branch 49 and, and all of that is that the way that you're wording it is setting them up that they are going to be special. They're going to be a exclusive group of individuals that are going to be very much sought after and desired because they have a skill that not everyone has. And I think that's a huge thing. And it's just like you just said, it's the wording and you're doing that. So we just need to think about a lot of times in our sales approaches, what type of wording are we using? Because it doesn't have to be manipulative. It's just really what is someone trying to get? So with what you said, yeah, it's primal. And I didn't even bring up FOMO. I mean, that's a huge thing about scarcity is we don't want to miss out. And so that's again, how our brains are wired now in psychology, it's not referred to as FOMO. I mean, there is loss aversion and then there's like another way to explain it, but really what happens is we don't want to miss out on something. And that's, again, how we're wired because that's primal to us. So we don't want to miss out. And so that goes to why we value things that are harder to get or why we'll focus on it or make that quick decision because we don't want to be told no. And we also don't want to feel like we missed that opportunity. And so that's just another thing to keep in mind, but use it the right way. So, yeah, don't don't be cheesy about it with FOMO, (laughs) but it does it does work.
0: We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com.
1: And we're back with Corey and Chris. Well, uh, it's funny, Chris, when uh, the good doctor and I had met, one of the interchanges we had through email was we're talking about Pitch Anything and our good friend, our good mutual friend, Oren Claff. And, um, you know, Oren has his three legs of the barstool. People want what they can't have. People chase what moves away from them. And people only place value on that which is difficult to obtain. And uh, Mindy shared that she was on a podcast recently, a marketing podcast, and the host said, "Oh, Orin Clef, yeah, he's my favorite. I love his book." And we decided to keep it as a as just a, a secret because we don't want Orin to be any company more <laughs> insufferable than he already is by knowing that. So certainly, Orin, if you're one of the nine people who listen to our podcast, <laughs> I don't think he is. You know, he'll uh, he'll do that. But uh, but the similarities that we was so we talk about pitch and mm-hmm. thing and flip the script, uh, Chris. Certainly, what you have with your vaunted sales experts inside of connect and sell and a lot of interesting um overlaps in that that i think we're onto something these experts orin certainly is a doctor of finance and and uh and mindy certainly is a doctor of psychology here in tapping into mere sales people like us and and what makes us tick
3: well one of the funny things that people don't talk about this very much but sales is interesting I'll make a comparison. So accountants don't join companies that have great products. They might care about the product. They might not care about the product. But the fact that a great accountant works at a company doesn't cause you to trust that product more. But when you interact with a great salesperson who is an expert, who is sincere, who is on your side. That immediately tells you, this must be a great product because this person could sell anything and they chose to sell this. And that actually creates instant scarcity because great salespeople are naturally scarce. They just are. They're like, uh, you know, if you're building a basketball team and, well, you could get a hold of somebody who's seven feet tall, has great athletic moves, great stamina, and 165 physical IQ, you know, that's scarce. Without watching them play, you'll probably draft them. And without watching you play, folks will buy from you because you're an expert, you're sincere, you're on their side, and you're handling them, so to speak, in a way that they like to be handled. It feels right to them. And somewhere in there, it says, Oh, this person could be selling anything. And they're selling this. So this stuff must be good. It creates a relationship between sales and I don't even want to call it skill, it's just sales quality and product quality, because there's a a fluidity, a liquidity in the sales world. Salespeople are the only people in business who can just go work anywhere. If you're really good at sales, you can work anywhere. What if, I mean, I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I've sold fuller brush door to door, right? I've I've sold a little spider spray in my day and, you know, and I, I, uh, I sold Helen on marrying me and Two days, and, you know that was. She asked. She said, "It's an interesting problem. Is it is it you the salesperson or are you the product? I can't really tell." Now that's a case where it converges, and you have to be skeptical. Which fortunately she's. good. At sure.
1: Time. Yeah, as, uh, as our good friend Brad from uh, Ferguson from Sandler Sales says, you have to learn to become the product of the product. And I think uh, certainly Chris, uh, you do that, and what you talk about connected and sell, and certainly you do that as a uh, uh, as the sage of sales as we all know you. So um, well as we're up against the the gun here, um, final thoughts, Mindy on on scarcity and especially when as you know what Chris and I have been talking about mm-hmm. for the last gosh, I think four years coming up on four years or so Chris is market dominance and I know we talked about it briefly last week, Mindy when you visit mm-hmm. us here in branch 49. but any final thoughts on scarcity and how we can underuse it or overuse it or how we should be better using it today as, uh, as uh, professionals in our craft?
2: Yeah, I mean, three things to think of. Number one, when we are talking about the whole idea of scarcity, just think about the words you're using and how are you communicating? Because it's not necessarily something brand new to bring to the table and it's this shiny new sales tool. It's just the words that you're using. So how can you just change your vocabulary to show that there is some true, So authentic, you want to be genuine scarcity that exists. And then the second thing, which, you know, I alluded to this, but don't try to use just randomly, oh, I'm going to try this scarcity approach, like know who you're trying to reach to make sure that that form of scarcity is going to be something that's going to resonate with them. And then three, and I'm actually just, you know, as our conversation actually is making me think about this, three, have that confidence and value of what you are providing because that comes through and that's gonna show that, you know what? You can be trusted. And so those are three things, very tangible. Again, it's just how you're going about it is the biggest thing.
1: I love that. And we we certainly are gonna make uh, the power of scarcity part of our curriculum here. I think it's a perfect add. On and as Chris knows, I haven't had original thought since 1998. So any <laughs> any ideas that we glean from the power of scarcity will certainly be in our Branch 49 curriculum and client book. Uh, Chris, final thoughts on, on your side from chatting with uh, Dr. Mindy here.
3: Well, first, thank you. Fantastic to have. You're hitting the real stuff, right? You've you've actually taken what it is that makes us tick and helps us make a decision, and it, in a way, when somebody speaks to us. In a strong sense, when they speak to us in a way that lets us recognize scarcity, short circuit our decision process, and then make a good decision, that's a gift. Mm -hmm. They've given us time, and then they've also given us the outcome of the decision. And that's our job in sales, is to give folks that gift. If we don't know how to give the gift, wrap it up and put it in in their hands in a way that they'll go, oh, this is worth opening, and I'm going to have a look at it, we're actually disserving them. So it's ironic. You know, funny kind of way that we're obliged to understand to the level where we could manipulate in order to deliver value without manipulating. And I think that's kind of the essence of the whole thing. And that's why this stuff ain't easy and doing it well is itself scarce.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, excellent. Well, thank you uh, as uh, always, Chris, for your insight and uh, your partnership over these last four years. Thank you, Dr. Weinstein, for Mm -hmm. the great insight and carving out the time on your day. You're also, in addition to a a much in demand speaker, uh, you have your own CEO and marketing um, consulting firm, Market Mindshift. Well, uh, Dr., again, The Power of Scarcity by McGraw-Hill uh, get your copy today. And for Chris Beale and the market dominance guys, this is Corey Frank. Thanks right, so much. Thank
2: you. It's great. Thanks, Mini. Bye. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Great.
0: Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their Impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe.